All right, here we go. Miami Sports Pod in three, two, one. Well, Manso, Clay Ferrell, your Miami Sports Pod for this week and for the Miami Dolphins coming off their first loss of the season on Thursday night football, the fall of three and one. Still a great place to be, yet Clay, as we open the pod and as we talk Dolphins, we know so much of the conversation has nothing to do with the three and one record, the loss in Cincy, but instead the status of Tua Tungavaloa and more importantly, moving forward, is this investigation going on by the NFL as to whether anything went wrong and the protocol, the process of allowing Tua to go back into action all the way back in that Buffalo game, that wild Buffalo game. He has that scary injury on Thursday night. Clay, you see all of this play out as everyone did on TV, the way it looked, uh, ugly scene. What were your thoughts on it then and now with some days of reflection, how this whole situation was handled? I, I think like everybody else, I mean, you see it and, and it's frightening and it's terrifying and y you are obviously still thinking what happened four days w earlier. And, yeah. and we were out at the stadium for that one. And, you know, I, Mike McDaniel said this, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday, um, before the game, and he said, before the Thursday game, and he said, you know, we all saw what happened on Sunday, and we all thought it was one thing, only to find out later that it was something different. And yet, I think all of us still thought that yeah. there was something and when I say all of us I, I I'm not I'm not putting words in Mike McDaniel's mouth I don't think anybody could have watched that right and thought that that wasn't the first thought in your head right and and that's what McDaniel said and and then McDaniel said later I leave it in the hands of the doctors which by the way is 100% of the time exactly what you should do I thought I thought McDaniel zero for any of this stuff because I don't think you can ever as a coach tell a doctor you're full of crap I know better than you. Yeah. And so uh, what I think we found out in in the fallout from all of this, and, and you asked, how do you feel since things have settled? First off, thankful that, that um, Tua seems to be doing yes. better. Yeah. Obviously, your, your head still goes to a place where you wonder what the long-term impacts are of something like this because of everything we've learned over the years. Um, but I, I think what we've learned in the fallout is the protocols failed and they are trying to find a way to foolproof the protocols as much as they can moving forward, whatever the motivation is. And they say, obviously, that it's player safety. Um, but I think they also want to avoid at all costs the potential for lawsuits down the line. I mean, it's it's all of this stuff. I mean, look, let's we're all grownups here. I mean. It's it's scary. It's it's frightening. Um, I also think it's very clear that there's a reason why the NFL didn't start to act on any of this stuff until they started to get sued. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, am I wrong on well, any when of you that? Look back at the history of concussions in the NFL. There was a time, and you and I are old enough to remember this, and I think many that listened who, you know, at least either read about it or remember it, that concussions, you know, getting your bell rung, yeah. it was a sign of toughness, right? Like, oh, he comes back, he got his bell rung, get some sniffing salts, and and he'd be fine. And, and the NFL had to then go on with CTE and all the things we learned about that. It was a big, big thing for the NFL financially, but also just in wanting to care for your players. Like if you don't, if you, if the product itself, right, the people who make the product don't matter to you, then why are you playing this game? And I will say, health and safety of players has certainly gotten better. But Clay, it's a violent sport. It's yep. a violent sport that these players know they sign up for. That doesn't mean though that you can't take every precaution. And I think to your point, you know, 
Look, the independent uh, neurologist that was there on scene, all of a sudden fired by the PA. That's step one. The investigation continues. You know, Mike McDaniel said something. I've, I've been defending Mike McDaniel for, for this very same reason you said. you got to trust doctors, right? But I, but I will say this. He said that you can't go by the eye test. Uh, you know, it's, if I'm going to go by the eye test, then when am I going to know when the play I got or not? Uh, not? And, I, and I sort of understand that. But at the same time, I think that we can look back now and kind of take away from this last week or so is that the eye test for this kind of situation is a lot different than an eye test for like if a guy twists his knee and you don't know if he's got some sort of ligament damage or if he's playing through something. This is your head. This is your brain. The eye test of a guy stumbling and, and, and being woozy at that point, and it looks like, right, the, the PA and the NFL came out with the, the, the announcement that changes are coming. It looks like if a player looks like that, that it's just going to be like, no go. That's it. And I, Clay, I, I agree with it. I think it has to be that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm saying from a coach perspective. And that's why I, I want to go back to the... But is sort of the last line of defense? You know, no, like no. If he doesn't protect your player, then who will? But I, I think it's... And I, I, have blame, a, I, I have I a hard McDaniel. time. I don't blame McDaniel. I, I, in no, that I, instance, I didn't. No, and I, I don't I don't in any instance. Uh, I, I think a coach's responsibility is to trust his medical staff. And now, if you're telling me that he doesn't trust the medical staff, then I think you have a whole other set of issues. And I, I guess that's where I'm like, I am a big believer, and this is why I cannot stand the social media crowd that screams at clouds all the times and uh, all the time. And I think in this case... A lot of people felt justified because of what happened later. And to me, it's like, I, man, these people go, these people go to school for a long time and they learn a lot more than I did about this. And if I can't trust them, then, then what are we doing here? And so that's where I think McDaniel was coming from. And that's why, I mean, I guess we can call him the last line of defense. And I think at the same time, you got to tr- as a coach. You got to be able to trust the medical staff around you, and you should be able to. Yeah, right? and so right. that's that's where I, I, yeah, like I, I am never going to fault a coach for trusting his medical staff, and I don't think that you can say that when it comes to keeping a player out, but then also say, oh well, I don't trust him. You know, when it comes to keeping them safe, I, I think like it's it's a hundred percent either way. You got to trust the medical yeah, staff sure. one way or the other. I will say this too. You know, in McDaniel's defense, we. You know, watching the Buffalo game, you and I, you were at the Buffalo game, right? You were sitting next to me. Yes. Right? Yeah, we were in the yes. press box watching the game, and when he got hit, and, we're, and again, I'm going back to the Buffalo game, the initial right. hit, uh, and he got he got you know knocked out of the game. He didn't return in that in that first half, and we all said, okay, well, second half, let's see what Teddy Bridgewater's got. Then they make the announcement, two of those coming back in, and I think where the confusion lies, and I think this is not McDaniel's fault. He is on the sideline coaching a game in the heat of the moment, whoever's available to him, he's playing, then he'll get a report later on injuries and things like that as the game goes on. But he turns to Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Tua goes to get checked out. The initial report was a head injury. It was announced in the press box. Tua Tungalolo was returned questionable with a head injury. We all heard it. It was reported that way on Twitter by the Dolphins. It was reported that way on the broadcast. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, near the end of the game, it comes out that it's a back injury. And I think that is where, looking back, I think people are being skeptical and, and are starting to wonder what was going on behind the scenes. And again, this isn't McDaniel, because remember, McDaniel's coaching a game. Right. He's in the moment of a game. Right. Mike McDaniel's not sitting there in the middle of a key third down, you know, having conversations about what the status of two is, what they're going to call it. That's a doctor's and medical and training staff situation. So I think, Clay, that's the issue is where was there, an, and I'm sure the investigation will have to show this, where was the 
disconnect? Where was it lost in translation? Where did it go from a guy who looked woozy and stumbling off the field to a back injury? Now, we have learned since then that every day Tua got tested for concussions all the way up until that Thursday night game, mm-hmm. which you explained to me, per the rules, if a guy even if a guy gets checked for a concussion within a game, even if he passes and he doesn't have a concussion per the doctors, you know, what they see, he still has to get checked the rest of that week. That's what you were explaining. Yeah, right? and apparently you also do not have to then list him on the injury report with a head injury. Yeah, so that like, explains that. Yeah, so I again, it's 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 super complicated. I, you know, I guess since this is kind of long form on a podcast, we can get into a little bit if you want, just to try to help people understand a little bit. So I'll break down to kind of my understanding of how all this stuff went down. And real quickly, because I wanted to fact check what I said at the top here. The first NFL lawsuit that I could find was back in August of 2011 for concussions. The first like concussion protocol case was December of 2011 with Colt McCoy. So, like, (laughs) it's a problem in the league. Well before then. Yeah, yeah, but but the lawsuit came before, right? So it's like you go back, it's like the lawsuit started, then we did the the concussion thing. Okay, so my understanding of how everything went down with two, and we're going to go back to Sunday, was he gets knocked down by Matt Milano, gets up, falls down. He is immediately then, because he stumbled down, uh, and also, by the way, I think because he said it was a back issue, he is then immediately entered into concussion protocol. So he was cleared of a concussion in the locker room mm-hmm. at halftime. Now, where I think the the disconnect seems to be is that the independent or unaffiliated neuroconsultant, UNC, um, was supposed to figure out, was supposed to do tests to determine if the stumble was absolutely related to the back injury or could it have been related to a head injury. And there was also something in a report about him being hostile and and not cooperative in the in the investigation. You're talking about this into independent the, yes, yeah, not too well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that guy, the guy who was fired, the unaffiliated neurological consultant, apparently his job, among other things, was to determine if the stumble was absolutely related to a, 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 a back injury as opposed to a head injury. Separate from that, Tua still had to be cleared of a concussion. He still had to go through concussion protocol. Um, That was triggered by him saying that it was a back injury. I know as crazy as that sounds, the fact that there was a spine, a neck involved, that is part of the concussion concussion protocol. It's just two separate parts of it. So my understanding was Tua was tested for a concussion at halftime. He was tested for concussion on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday leading up to the game on Thursday. Now, with all of that said, now we could get details that come out later that dispute all of that. Um, but according to Dr. Alan Sills, that is what was what did happen. What we can now argue about, or just argue in the right word, but dispute is, are the concussion protocols flawed? Yeah. Is it possible that Tua did not have a concussion? Is it possible that it was like... Well, not every big hit, not every situation right. where a player looks like he might be a little... I don't want to say woozy because woozy, but where a, a player maybe gets up stumbling. Yes. It may just be, it doesn't always have to be a concussion. Right. But I think when you see a player like that, especially when he bangs his head on the turf, that is the first thing you think of. And I, the elephant in the room here too, Clay, is the NFL, 
is a money machine. We get that. We understand how every game matters. It doesn't matter who's playing. People watch. The NFL is this huge sport and billion dollar. And I get it. But the, the elephant in the room to me is that this happened on a Sunday. And Tua Tungvalu is out there playing four days later. Yeah. And, and the NFL playing Thursday night games. You want to talk about, you're, yeah. on one end, you're talking about player safety. And then you're taking this unbelievably violent sport, which, again, all these players know what you signed up for. It's part of the game. But you throw a guy out there four days later. That's that's another problem is the timing of it. Yep. You know, if there's a little separation in this, it doesn't seem as as obvious, right, or as 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 impactful as this been because we just saw Tula wobbling and stumbling on Sunday, and now we're seeing him carting off and this this terrible shot of his fingers and all these things, this scary moment that you're thinking he might be paralyzed. Yep. You know. And by the way, Mike McDaniel took a lot of heat because he says it's just a concussion. It was the best case scenario this is again where i think the media and social media and fans jump so far and they want to be so right about they want to be gotcha they want to be gotcha with i think we all knew what mike mcdaniel a concussion is a serious thing it is literally an injury to the brain like it's not it's not to be taken lightly i think what mike mcdaniel clearly meant is that i we all at that moment i know i know i did i'm sure you did thought my god is he paralyzed yes is he gonna move again uh, is he going to have significant brain damage? I mean, there are so many things that go through your mind. So yes, a situation where it is, it, you don't want to say just a concussion, but if that is this, the worst case scenario in, in this right now, you say to yourself, my God, it could have been so much worse if that's the, you know, that's the end result. So, so that, that's where it stands now. Yeah, and now let, we wait. Let, let me, yeah. And, and cause I know we're going to pivot, but I want to, I want to hammer this point home. Cause it really bothers me. This, this whole gotcha stuff. Mike McDaniel rambles. Mike McDaniel has told us that he rambles. And and a lot of times when Mike McDaniel rambles, he gives us really cool sides of his personality. And it's really funny. And and he's he's a he's a grown man. He doesn't need me to defend him. What I can't stand is when people take stuff out of context to try to play gotcha. Yeah. What he was saying was we all knew immediately, and and I'm sure he was told by people on the field, look, this is a concussion. We're going to go test to make sure it's it's not something more than a concussion. We know it's that, okay? Yes. So when he says, we're just glad it's not more or worse, whatever the phrasing was, yeah. it's that he's saying we hope it wasn't, we were hoping it wasn't something in addition to that. And so yeah. for people to like grab it and say, oh, well, clearly he doesn't appreciate how, how serious a concussion is. Like, can we stop that? Like, why can't we, why can't we be adults here Instead of oh, trying to play can't. gotcha yeah, all the time, it can't. just it drives me insane, and it, it's it's really frustrating because it crushes me that like people want to know why why hey why can't why can't coaches and players show more personality why can't like why do they say speak Anything in all these cliches it's because when they say yeah. something that's not a cliche you pull it out of context and try to make them feel small and you try yeah. to make yourself feel empowered yeah. and Headline, it just it no, drives Mike me McDaniel nuts doesn't think concussions are a big deal yeah. you know and, and, and come on give me a break it drives me crazy and the anger on social media and there's another rant we can go on but the anger on social media and the way that people just love to insult and especially, like you said, players, coaches, it's an easy target. They twist words. And it's not just fans. It's media as well. I mean, this is not just a fan. Oh, thing. yeah. So so it's frustrating. I'm not here to defend the Dolphins. Neither are you. There may have been some missteps by the Dolphins. And looking back, I think Mike McDaniel is going to learn from this, maybe handle this situation differently. Even if he says he doesn't want to do the eye test, because then, then where do you go with it? Maybe the eye test in some cases really is the best test just to be safe. Erring on the side of caution 
just in case. Now, as far as Tua Tagovailoa, look, we got to talk a little football. Yeah. Uh, because again, as you said earlier, the good news is that all the tests so far seem to be coming back positive as far as Tua, as far as his health. What that means for his playing, I've been asked 10 times since Thursday by people, hey, you think Tua's going to play next week? No, I don't think Tua's going to play next week. Do you know when Tua's going to play again? I don't, Clay, because Mike McDaniel did say that the next day. It is secondary. Get him healthy. Make sure he is fine, that there are no lingering effects. By the way, there's no there's no guarantee there won't be. There's no guarantee that he won't have headaches for a few weeks or, or some sort of symptom. That is the only thing that you have to look for now is those symptoms. So it's going to take time. Do I think, you know, gut feeling that Tua Tungabo is going to play again this season? Yes. Based on all the reports that he is recovering well, it makes me think that he will play again. But when you tell me a week from now or two weeks from now or five weeks from now, I have no idea. But and, and this is the part of football that stinks, is when you take the health equation out, which is clearly the priority, right? The football side of things is the NFL right now is there's more parity and there's there's more openness as far as real opportunity to make a run for a team to really sneak in there and boom and fly with an opportunity. This year is just wide open. And when you look around the NFL, Clay, and you watch Sunday's games and you see teams that are off to good starts that aren't really that good and you see other teams that are struggling that you thought were going to be good, the Miami Dolphins are one of the best five or six teams in football. I'm okay saying that. And Tua Tagovailoa went healthy. Right now is a top 10 quarterback in the league because there's some really bad quarterback play. So I think from a football perspective, you say to yourself, look, once you get past the health part, if Tua is fine and can play again soon, this team is really good. Oh, yeah. I, I I think no differently about this team after losing to Cincinnati than I did after the first three wins. And I, I thought if the first three wins that that there was there is nothing that you can say is impossible for this team. And I still believe that. Um, and to your point about Tua, by the way, look, we're going to get the details of this investigation in the coming days. If Dr. Sills is correct and that he was tested for a concussion every day, mm-hmm. then he's not going to be subject to the the two concussions in five day thing that I think a lot of people are kind of throwing around as saying it's like a season end or whatever. Like that's not. So assuming he does come back at some point, you know, we've seen what this team can do. Um, And I also think that we saw enough from Teddy Bridgewater on Thursday night to where I, I think the supporting cast around him is good enough to win games. And and especially when you look at the schedule, I mean, the the Dolphins upcoming schedule, they have a stretch. Yeah. They're the end of the season's a killer. I mean, the end of their schedule is tough. Man, at 3-1 and one now, they, they've got opportunities to win some games, and I do think Teddy can win you a game or two. I thought the other day, Teddy, I got ripped on this on Twitter. I thought Teddy played okay. I thought he he was fine for a backup, and I'd be, oh, he stinks. He was terrible. Well, look, he's I, not Tua. What were they watching? What, Will, you, the, the, what did you he, was, he was leading him to go-ahead touchdown until yeah. he thought Mike Gesicki was going to sit in the zone, and Gesicki kept going. Yeah. I mean, it was it, and that was the interception that ended the game. Like, yeah. if he if they score on that play... Are we having the same conversation? If anything, we're having a conversation like, man, thank thank the Lord that they went out and they got Teddy Bridgewater. Now this 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 train is still moving. Win or lose. Even if Cincinnati had come down, it's like, man, at least we feel great. So one miscommunication between him yeah. and Mike Gesicki I mean, like changes how we would... Tyreek Hill. Yes, what are we watching? Right the half. I thought he did fine, which leads me to believe with the weapons that he has, and by the way, a week to truly game plan and be part in those rooms and know he's going to start. Whether it's one week, three weeks, whatever two is out, again, his health is a priority. Teddy's going to be fine. Teddy, I think, is a good fill-in. 
Now, if you tell me two is not playing again the rest of the season, if there's and by the way, there's been no indication of that because right now there's no timetable for him. But if you tell me two is out the rest of the season, that's a different conversation. Yeah, yeah, they, they don't. This team can go with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, they don't win a Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater. No. I, I mean, but like, but they could certainly. And you look around again. You look around. The Bills had a heck of a comeback to come back in Baltimore, but they don't look as machine-like as I think everybody thought they might just be. We saw the Dolphins win that wild game against them. The Dolphins are in a position that they can just hang around and two is okay. I feel, I don't know why I feel more confident now than even last week. Even after a loss, like you said, that this team is one of the best teams in the NFL because the league is filled with parity and, and, and you look at no real dominant team right now. Miami's in a position that they just need to kind of hang on and wait for Tua and if he's okay, this team is going to be in good in a good position. Yeah, and I want to add one more point to that because uh, the other narrative on Thursday night was, oh, Xavier Howard was just awful that night. And and look, number one, Run he was obviously injury, yeah. he was obviously playing hurt. Number two, you know, again without the benefit of of being in the meeting rooms, what it appeared that they were trying to do was take away Jamar Chase as much as possible, and then let Xavier Howard go one on one against T Higgins. And there were two plays in particular where T. Higgins just made really nice plays. And T. Higgins is a good receiver, and that's going to happen. And Xavier Howard was a little banged up. And, and that's not like Xavier Howard doesn't need me or anybody else to make excuses for him. But those two plays don't change the fact that Xavier Howard is still a really, really good corner. Hopefully he's healthier moving forward. So, like, the things that beat the Dolphins on Thursday night are not things to me that are long-term issues. It's not anything that, like, changes your your feeling about the trajectory yeah. of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, if anything, you feel more confident they were to go into Cincinnati in a short week after losing their starting quarterback. They were still driving for the go-ahead touchdown late in the fourth quarter where a miscommunication between their backup quarterback yeah. and, and a tight end who hasn't gotten as many targets this year as he normally does led to an interception. Yeah. So Miami at 3-1, and one, uh, we wait on Tua. We, you know, I think that the, as we wrap up the Dolphins part of the conversation, that's obviously what matters. We'll get an update from Mike McDaniel on Monday. We'll see how the week progresses. I, I would expect Tua is not going to play next week. I, I, again, that's kind of not really in the what the Dolphins are thinking about right now, but hopefully the tests continue to come back positive and Tua can be healthy. And then when it's time, return to football and, and continue to lead the Dolphins as one of the better teams in the league. Now, this last week, the Miami Heat were in the Bahamas, not just on vacation, not enjoying themselves, but for the start of training camp, Clay, they're back. I got a chance to go over there for a couple days. We've got a chance to talk to them on media day and, you know, see a little bit of them. Uh, this is a team that running it back is is a big storyline, but the storyline then as the week went on and as now they enter the first week of preseason games is that Tyler Hero gets locked down, you know, 120 to $130 million potentially with incentives over four years. You're talking $32 million per season. What did you think? about Tyler Hero getting that extension. As Pat Riley said, you know, five years with Tyler under contract now uh, remaining. How important was it for Miami to do that? And how does it change the potential flexibility for the Heat now that they've done it? Well, first off, your first thought is really happy for Tyler Hero and, and somebody who's been a real pro, you know, peeling back the curtain, he's been a real pro with us, Always makes makes it easy on us. Um, first one to talk whenever you're you're at practice. Always willing to to do interviews. So very happy for him. That's a lot of money. Well, man, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, and um, but well deserved, don't you think? Given I, the way uh, the league is now, do you not think it's deserved? I think he has to take a step up. Uh, and and how so? Defensively or even I, more offensively? I you know what I th- I think. 
I don't think his defense is is as bad. Let me, let me step back. I think if if his offense gets to a level like look the let's go back a couple of years and I remember people rolling their eyes when when Dan Levitard said that you know people within the Heat organization think that he could be as good offensively as Devin Booker. Well, if Tyler Hero becomes Devin Booker offensively, then I don't care what his defense looks like. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. So, um, like I, I, it to me, it's either become like a a, a a C or a B defender, and then which I think is not likely to happen, or develop a bag that is so big that when Dan Levitard goes back and plays that show from a couple of years ago and they're talking about him being Devin Booker, nobody's laughing anymore. Mm-hmm. Like so it's either take a big step up offensively or get to the point where you're actually, you know, an average or a plus defender. So it, it's just when you say is he worth it, I think there's potential there. Um I, I, I didn't say, oh man, that's a that's a terrible contract, but it is one that you look at and you're like, man, that's that's a lot of money, and and for a team that is quote unquote running it back, and when you look around at the East, they're t- talent wise, they're not as good as a lot of other teams in the East. He is going to have to take a huge step up, not just to justify that salary, but also to make this team anywhere near the level that they want to be. Yeah, and I, I when I look at Tyler, I, I look at his scoring ability is is borderline elite. Like he's getting to that point where you know you talk about his bag and what he says, and he always talks and jokes about how you know he's he's got a lot in his bag. Play three years in his first year, the finals and the and the snarl and all the all the great moments. The second year, he kind of a little bit. I don't want to say sophomore slump, but certainly I think he had to fight through some things with the league trying to go after him and, and knowing that his body and the strength maybe wasn't there to pressure him a little more. His ball handling goes out. He really improves his ball handling, facilitating into year three. Takes the role off the bench as the sixth man of the year, averaging what twenty two a game. I think there is a level for Tyler there. I saw him again. I saw him immediately. There. I saw him with the Bahamas. He's gotten stronger calves, shoulders, body. He is clearly taking the challenge of Pat Riley to get stronger. I think you're looking at a guy who can be a 25-point scorer in the league. I think you could be a guy who can shoot 40% from three. I think you look at a guy that could be the closer and a scorer when Jimmy needs a little bit of help, and it's not just, say, save us Jimmy. I think Tyler's that point. And to your point on defense, I think he could be serviceable on defense. I think there's going to always be a limitation there. But I don't think he needs to be a below-average defender. I think he could be an average defender. I, I, the thing with Tyler that I love, and you mentioned his, his, the way he is with us and the way he's with the media, the way he's with his teammates, I love that he's a hard worker. I love that, you know, even in his success that he had in the bubble, could have gotten to his head. You know, people think, and by the way, I get yeah. that more from any, from more than any player from Heat fans then Tyler's the one where people are like, oh, well, his clothes and the way he dresses, the way he acts on social media. The endorsement he's got a deals. Big head. Yeah. And I tell him all the time, I said, you know what? That You think that, but Tyler doesn't. Tyler's the first guy in the gym. He's working behind the scenes. Tyler comes from a really good family, a really nice, you know, Midwest family. Tyler's ego is more so that he knows he's really good and he plays in a league where you can't have the weakness, the mental weakness of, of not showing up and showing that you believe in yourself so tyler has this persona and this swag about him that's cool and fun but it's not at all forced or it, it comes from a place of like oh he's made it so he doesn't have to work tyler works hard so i guess my point is he gets this big contract i don't think you have to worry that he's going to all of a sudden stop working i don't think you have to worry that he's going to get to his head because all of a sudden he's set for life I really think there is another step in his evolution, and I think this is a big year in finding out what it is, because I will say this, Clay, and I tweeted about it right after, and I'll say it right now. You don't pay a backup $33 million a year. 
I think we pretty much have sealed one of the starting spots. This whole talk about two spots in the camp and who's going to play the four, fine. The four, you got to figure out. But this Tyler is going to start. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And and let's, before we wrap this up, uh, interesting to you that a lot of the pictures that we've seen coming out of scrimmages from from uh, training camp with the Heat have Bam and Yurt on the same team? You know, it's funny because I almost feel like Yurt has had a campaign where he really is campaigning hard for that spot, right? For the five, for Bam to be the four. And, you know, there's a lot of campaigning going He's on. He's like speaking it into existence. Yes. And, and, and it's funny because Bam was asked, I don't know if it was the first or second day at training camp, and Bam was straight up asked like, hey, what do you think about Yurt? He seems to like it. And Bam stops and says, oh, Yurt likes it, huh? Yeah, I'm not surprised at that. Like laughing <laughs> because he knows that that push has been there. And by the way, like I was saying about Tyler, Tyler's a competitor. He wants to play. He wants to prove. He wants to prove himself. Yurt's the same way. You got to have that irrational confidence. You got to have that. Yurt hasn't proven much in this league, but he's proven that he has confidence in himself. That's for sure. So, but I, I, he's the Mario Chalmers oh of seven gosh, and a half foot seven men. and a half foot Turkish centers. <laughs> you got the, the Mount Rushmore's one alone. He stands alone. It's Yurt. No, but jokes aside, Yurt is. Yurt is a skilled player. He obviously has some things he needs to work on, but I do think, I don't think you're going to see it often, Clay, I guess is my point, but I do think you're going to see it more than you did last year, which was barely. I think there are going to be times within games where the one area that running back that hurt the Heat was the, that the Heat didn't have a lot of size last year, and some teams were able to exploit that. Teams with length, Milwaukee, Toronto, uh, Boston, there are teams that, that could give them problems. We saw the Robert Williams-Al Horford combination. The length can be an issue. If Yurt can somehow help mitigate that a bit and just play a little bit and give you some minutes, if it is with Bam, then I think you'll see more of that. But is this some sort of a sign that, you know, you're going to see a lot of it? No, I don't think so. I, I don't I don't foresee that, at least not initially, not to start the season. Joel and B don't want none of Yurt. Big Yurt for a reason. The Rob big, Williams don't want, don't want none, none of Yurt. Of the big Look out below. The Yurt is coming your way. Nikola Jokic. Oh, no. The Yurt is coming. He's not even the best Nikola in the league. Nikola Jovic is now. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All right. So the Miami Heat back to work. They got preseason games. Dolphins back at it. They got the Jets next Sunday with Teddy Bridgewater likely leading the way. We will be back talking about that and much more. We appreciate you listening and subscribing to the Miami Sports Pod.